if you did this song, you'd want to put some other songs around it that help give that full picture, it sounds like. You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Worship Review, the podcast that critically but charitably examines the songs that are sung in the church. And I am Colin. I am a history professor in the great Midwest, the greatest place on earth. And uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Tyler. I am Tyler. I'm so happy to be here. And being from the Midwest, I wake up every day and I eat corn on the cob and do other things that are typical here. I don't know. <laughs> what what other stereotypes are there of the Midwest, Colin? Hmm? You, you, you're you well-versed in Midwest stereotypes. Well, you drink, you drink your... You, you, you take a swig of pop as well with your... Oh, yeah. Soda pop. With your... That's yeah. right. And and as you take a swig, you you almost bump somebody and you make sure to say oh. I say oh. Well, that's more of a upper Midwest thing. I you know what? My son who's not even 3 yet says ope. So, it is, <laughs> that will never die, <laughs> Lord willing. And we're joined. And, right. Oh. But no, hold on just a sec. Just go, well, let's take this a little bit further. <laughs> and the person that you almost bumped into um is upset about it, but they don't say anything directly to you about that. They just make a passive aggressive comment like they might say, "Oh, excuse me maybe right because yeah maybe that may be projection (laughs) colin maybe you're the one who doesn't like to get bumped i am not i assure you i uh i'm happy to be bumped all the time i just uh i you know mosh pits i just just jump in them so i can get bumped uh we're also joined uh, i'm gonna get bumped from this show if i don't (laughs) introduce our our co our guest co-host and that is jason dorsey pastor of Redeemer Church, Redeemer Redmond in Redmond, Washington. Jason, it's great to have you back. It's great to be here. And we spent 13 years in India and loved the Midwest. And Indeed. Jason, you are you still running your cohorts for the name? That's right. Okay. That's, that's right. We should what make a plug mean? for this. So, Jason, you're an author in addition to being a pastor and an artist. Can you tell us a little bit about the book you've written? Yeah, the the book is titled The Name, and it is a a book that helps people to embrace their unique God-crafted, God-redeemed identity in Christ and to step boldly into their calling. And uh, so I I just love to see people uh, live out who God has made them to be in the place he's planted them. Very exciting. Um, And this week, we are going to review the song Famous For, parentheses, I believe, by Torrin Wells, featuring Jen Johnson of Bethel Music. Make way through the water, walk me through the fire, do what you are famous for, what you are famous for, shut the mouths of lies, bring dry So, Tyler, if I could ask you, um, how would you kind of summarize the song before we start getting into lyrics? Okay, that's a little bit difficult, I think. So, 
Um, we definitely have an emphasis of God's faithfulness, that he's a fortress and that we believe in him, that he's uh, hope and strength to us, even in his name. And then there are many different instances uh, throughout Scripture that are referenced in this song talking about how God is faithful. Uh, so passing through waters, passing through fire, um, saving people from lions, and even bringing dry bones to life, right? Resurrecting dry bones. So I would say it's it's a song of, of praise. It's a confession of faith in a way because there's many, many, even not just in the title, but throughout the song, many different instances where someone says, I believe. Um, and the song praises God in that way. Okay. Uh, well, shall we go through this song passage by passage? Let's, uh, let's get it started. Aye, aye. All right. The first set of lyrics. There is no fear, cause I believe. There is no doubt, cause I have seen your faithfulness, my fortress. Over and over. There is no fear, because I believe. There is no doubt, because I have seen your faithfulness, my fortress, over and over. I have a hope found in your name, and I have a strength found in your grace, your faithfulness. My fortress over and over. I have a hope found in your name. I have a strength found in your grace. Your faithfulness, my fortress, over and over. Tyler, I'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts about these lines? Okay, so there is no fear and there is no doubt. These are statements about what exists, what is. Um, and I found this interesting because... In many in in many expressions of Christianity in the United States, you might see a statement like "There is no um, doubt because I believe," right? Like my belief actually drives out doubt. And what I find interesting about this song is it, it doesn't formulate it that way. Um, belief actually drives out fear, um, and seeing God's faithfulness drives out doubt. So I just thought that was interesting up front, um, and perhaps even praiseworthy, because I think a lot of times people encounter doubts in the Christian life and think what they need to do is just kind of grip harder, white-knuckle harder, and believe harder, and they'll drive out the doubts, uh, rather than um, considering the different ways that God has acted um, in creation and throughout Scripture and throughout history. Um, I think there are some scriptural references embedded in here. So, for example, um, in this statement that there is no doubt because I've seen your faithfulness, and then over and over after that, I was reminded of Joshua 2145, uh, and I'll, I'll consistently use the ESV, I hope. Uh, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed all came to pass. This is a statement of God's perfect faithfulness uh, over and over throughout uh, Israel's history and uh, throughout even the history of the church. And I think also this, this idea of God being a fortress comes from the Psalms. So uh, just briefly, I'll say uh, there are many different Psalms that make this uh, statement, but one that I think 
is uh, relevant here is Psalm 62. Uh, I'll read verses 5 through 7. For God alone my soul wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. So I think um, there are some concepts borrowed from scripture. It may not be the clearest language. I, I will not say that uh, it is a clear uh, verse necessarily, but I do think it is uh, um, uh, filled with Christian imagery. Um, that's my take on it. Uh, what about you guys? What did you guys think? I think there is so much in here that is tapping into the the scriptures, like you mentioned, Tyler. I'm not going to rehearse that. And I think it actually uh, stirs our heart to think of God's faithfulness. I remember being an assistant pastor at Green Lake Presbyterian Church in Seattle for five years. And one of our practices in the evening service would be to have people just uh, as they were led say, the Lord my God has been faithful to me all the days of my life. And boy, it was stirring to hear, um, you know, old saints say that and to be able to claim that God had been faithful to them. I think the problematic or the troubling uh, part for me as a pastor is I think the opening lines are a little bit triumphalistic mm. and not everyone who believes is no longer struggling with fear or even if you have seen the glories of God in your life, it doesn't mean there aren't times that you doubt. So I can appreciate how belief pushes out and the gospel of Jesus and believing in, in Jesus should be pushing out fear in our life. But this seems like it's a little bit more over-the-top triumphalistic. There's no fear, no, uh, you know, no doubt. Mm. Appreciate that. So the chorus. Make way through the water. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lies. Bring dry bones to life. Do what you are famous for. What you are famous for. Make way through the waters. Walk me through the fire. Do what you are famous for, what you are famous for. Shut the mouths of lions, bring dry bones to life, and do what you are famous for, what you are famous for. I believe in you, God, I believe in you. Jason, it seems to me like there are some scriptural references in this part, too. Yeah, for sure. The Isaiah reference about when I walk through the water, mm -hmm. you know, you will be with me and through the fire. Uh, that is rich imagery. Um, I like the fact that they use popular, you know, common language like famous, mm -hmm. you know, to think God is famous, that you're, that God's name is known or mm -hmm. great. Um, I, I, I don't mind that at all. So there's a lot of imagery, the mouth of lion, Daniel, and dry bones, Ezekiel. Um, mm -hmm. I, th I think those are, are all uh, connecting, you know, with um, scripture and with the stories of faith that uh, evoke so much emotion in our heart. Tyler? Yeah, I would agree. I, I also thought of 
I thought of scriptural images, but I think they might be different ones. Um, making the way through the waters, you can imagine crossing the Red Sea or crossing the Jordan. Walking me through the fire, you could think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. Um, shutting the mouth of lions also from Daniel. Um, and of course, the dry bones from Ezekiel 37. What I, what I found interesting in rereading Daniel 3 in preparation for this is uh, there's this incredibly powerful statement where they say, our God is capable of saving us, um, Nebuchadnezzar. I'm not, we're not afraid of you. Um, and he could save us. But if not, we still will not bow down to your idols. And I think what this song is lacking is what that line has in, um, in Daniel mm-hmm. 3.18. That whole idea that, yeah, God is capable and has in the past worked incredible things, but he's not constrained by my invocation of him, right? So mm. I cannot summon him by a kind of word of faith power to and make him do what he's famous for. Um, he may very well choose to um, not act in a given situation. And um, I can't I don't want to indict this song too much on that because it's not it's not saying you must do what I'm telling you to do. But there are some like this imperative verb do is not couched even in a in a hint of an appeal, right? Or a supplication. So it's just saying do it. Um, what do you think, Jason? Maybe uh, a, a helpful way to to think about that is the thing that's lacking in in my thinking is that rather than saying make yourself famous in this or bring glory to your name, which the psalmists say all the time, do this for your namesake. It's really make you know do your famous stuff to help me and. It's a little bit more me-centered than it is to make God's name great and revered. And maybe that's where there's a little bit of a, a divergence from what you see in the psalmist and mm. other places where it's really do this for your glory, whether I live or die. He mm. leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Often forgotten bit <laughs> of uh, Psalm 23. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll just add just to just to add a small thing, I guess, really after these things that you both have shared, I do like that there is an emphasis on God's work here. So uh, make way through the waters, God. uh, That's obviously the the direction that that's going. Or walk me through the fire. I mean, this song could have gone more towards I walk through the fire or, you know, I'm, you know... Each of these lines seems to be about God doing something. Uh, God shuts the mouth of the lion. God brings dry bones to life. So these are all images of God doing something. And, you know, this this idea of nothing is, or or, with God, all things are possible. Um, Sometimes folks can use this to imply that, yeah, if we just kind of muster up enough whatever, uh, belief, et cetera, then 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 God has to react. And I do think I I agree with you both that there are some elements of that here. It is it is still pretty subtle and there is a pretty there there are there are ways in which this song though does emphasize God's work. It's 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 it, it does seem to at least be making an attempt to show that God is is ultimately the one with power. All right, we then get to, is this a bridge, Tyler? Release your love? I think this is the third verse. Okay. We then get to another verse here. Release your love 
your love inside of me unleash your power for all to see spirit come and fall on us over and over oh lord tyler thoughts yeah um quite a few one good thing is that uh god is being appealed to as lord here too so um this this kind of rules out uh perhaps some theological ambiguity about who we're appealing to um but i think the bigger the bigger thing to take away... Oh, and there's also a, a repetition of that over and over thing, right? Where I have seen uh-huh. your faithfulness over and over, and now we have Spirit come and fall on us over and over again. But I think the bigger aspect of this that's troubling to me is perhaps more of a conceptual one. So unless these people are all converting to Christianity from something else all at once, I'm not sure that there's a sense in which we should be appealing um, for the Spirit to come and fall on us um, if he dwells in us. And so here's why I would say that. If I read um, the words of Christ in John 14, Jesus says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 writes in verses 19 and 20, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own, for you're bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And I think um, there is a sense in which we may and perhaps even ought to appeal for the Spirit's continued and even amplified work in us. But this sounds like it's it's more than that. It actually sounds like um, it's a kind of, uh, like releasing your love inside of me, unleashing your power for all to see, I think. I'm interpreting that as also appealing for the spirit to come and fall on us. Um, it sounds like it's an inception, like a new beginning. Yeah. Um, I found that first line really strange. Uh, I really think that's weird. Release your love inside of me. Like, didn't God release his love in Christ? Like, wh- like why? Uh, if the, yeah, If these people are Christians, what exactly is this describing? I, I wasn't really sure. I don't know, Jason, do you have any thoughts or illumination on this collection of lines? Yeah, I don't find it uh, as as troubling, uh, but I, I think you have to sort of do some, some work too. Uh, I personally had to do some work because I agree with your um, kind of looking at the words of release and, well, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that Christ died for us and mm. that the Holy Spirit has been poured into our heart. So in a way, you can say that this is actually not accurate theology. But if you look at it more like a song praying for renewal or, okay. you know, the, 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 the revival. And I think that is how this has to be taken to be close enough to be singable where, where yeah, we do want to feel and experience the love of God, the height, width, depth, length of, of God's love. So yeah, there is experiences of that love that can be, um, I don't think release is a, is a helpful word, but you know, new and, 
and vital uh, experiences of that love. Or, you know, we do want God's power to uh, work through us and in us, the power that raised Christ from the dead. Or, you know, in revivals, often it's it's spoken of, the Spirit is spoken of as, um, you know, falling on the congregation or on the preacher, the unction of the Spirit. So it's not so far off that I I, I think it, it, you know, is... is um, super problematic, but it, it, there is some uh, places where it could be a little bit uh, hard to understand. Could I ask you, Jason, as a pastor, um, say this song were, were being sung in your church, would you want to basically say that or something like that before the song was sung so that the congregation, like, is that, is that one way you could, a, a church could do a song like this where this may be some ambiguity, maybe a, a slightly wrong way to read something, but there also could be a, a good way to read something or a useful way to read something. Is that a good time for a pastor or or a worship leader to kind of just, you know, dispel the mysticism of the moment and just say, hey, we're going to sing a song. It says this. Here's what we should take from that. Yeah, that's actually, uh, I think it would be very helpful and could be, is very pastoral because, it's like what you do with your kids when you're watching a movie or, you know, mm. not everything is just the way it should be, but you help interpret, you help them uh, understand why they're doing it and what it's for. And, and I think that would be very pastorally uh, wise to do. Uh, and it could be the music direct music leader or the pastor. Yeah. Mm. Great. All right. Then we get to... God of exceedingly, God of abundantly, more than we ask or think, Lord, you will never fail. Your name is powerful. Your word's unstoppable. All things are possible in you. Jason, thoughts about this collection of lines? Well, it's int- it's always interesting what uh, what people choose to capitalize, and not to okay. be too nitpicky here, but you know, <laughs> I I think sometimes I one of the, my pet peeves is that we often use the generic term for God, God, rather than the Lord or something that is more personal to mm-hmm. the Lord God. So, your is capitalized, but God's word, the word uh, is not capitalized. Ah. So I just think it's kind of interesting, you know, um, the name is not capitalized. It, so it, it, there's no right way to do it, but in some ways it could show, uh, I guess, uh, to me, it's a little bit more impersonal to say God versus um, my father, or Lord, mm. uh, there's ways to make it more personal. And to me, it's seeming it's really emphasizing the abundance and the exceedingness of God and mm-hmm. the way that God should be just overflowing in our life with his goodness. And, um, and so maybe it, there is an emphasis on the personal benefits of God more than on his name, his word, and, and those things. Tyler, you rarely have anything to say about the words and the songs and their grammar. Um, what do you think about the adverbs here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So look, I, <laughs> Colin, I'm actually kind of permissive of this, and here's why. 
Okay. My, my first read on this was what You're in the world? Surprising me. I know. I know. Shocking. But what? So my first reading was what does it mean to be God of adverb? Um, right, exceedingly, abundantly. Um, because we do have nouns like excess and abundance, um, where it would probably be a lot more clear if you said God of excess, God of abundance. Um, that could be bad though, I, too. I, I, I realized that too. <laughs> no, I realized yeah. that too. And I thought, well, yeah. maybe they didn't want to say that. But I think what's being done here is a stylistic, uh, use of an adverb. Um, so the, the emphasis is on, um, these adverbs of degree. So the emphasis is on the, um, degree of abundance, the degree of excess. And I think, um, I think there is room for us theologically to say this is, um, okay. Um, God's love is more than sufficient, um, for us and Christ's sacrifice more than exceeds the necessity to, uh, redeem us. Um, so I, I, I wanted to be nitpicky about this, but I didn't want to be a grammar Nazi either. Um, so I, I, I don't it's, like it, but I don't think I can knock it at the same time. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't, uh, yeah. like, I can't take points off of it for having this strange grammar, but at the same time, is God abundant in his love to us? Yeah. Does, like, when, um, when the prodigal son comes, are his expectations exceeded? Yeah, of course. I think, uh, I think that's, uh, okay. Um, now this, um, more than we ask or think, I, I think this has to be from Ephesians 3, chap uh, chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work with us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Interesting, as Jason, as you mentioned, there's no reference to a Christ Jesus explicitly in the song, which is strange. Um, and, yeah, God's name is powerful, and his word is unstoppable, and of course all things are possible in him. Um, I really like, by the way, that they make sure to keep that in there, right? In, in God, right? In him. Yep. All things are possible. I think another instance in scripture where we might see God exceeding expectations or doing more than we might ask or think is in uh, Luke 11, where Jesus asks, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead get of a fish, give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Um, I think that's a sense in which Jesus is saying we, we can approach God with our desires and expect that they will be, um, they will be met. Um, not demand or, or not that it's guaranteed that whatever we ask is given to us. Um, so I think there's, I think there's, um, good stuff in here. And the problems in this part, despite the grammatical awkwardness, I don't think are, are, um, a huge stumbling block. I don't know. What, what did you, what did you think, Jason? I think that one of the challenges of looking at one song in a, uh, you know, is that you don't know the whole body of the worship of this church or of this, I, I don't know, worship band or, or whatever. And the, the challenge I have from a pastoral perspective is that 
the exceedingness and the abundance of God often looks like his children suffering and his children undergoing discipline or his children um, uh, learning, uh, expanding their capacity to praise him in the darkness, you know? And, and so I kind of get the feeling that this is looking more triumphantly and uh, at the, at the blessings you might say of, of God's goodness, but you can't deny that he has given us his spirit. There is no greater gift. It's mm. exceeding and abundant. And the spirit of God is the gift as Augustine put it. So yeah, you can't really, I don't think you can really say too much about this, except you know, it's, it's probably not enough to shape that cruciform perspective that you want your people to have over time. Mm. So maybe uh, as a, a worship leader or a pastor, you'd want to put some other song, if you did this song, you'd want to put some other songs around it that help give that full picture, it sounds like. That's right, yeah. Well, uh, Tyler, Jason, uh, maybe Tyler, I'll start with you. Any just concluding thoughts or wrapping up ideas about the song before we get into the ratings? I feel more uneasy after having reviewed it, which is very rare for for me. Usually I come through it with a greater sense of clarity. Um, I will say one one thing I appreciate is having Jason here, and uh, Jason, your comments have been really valuable. Um, I think as a whole, the song uh, is it is full of praise on the one hand, but it's also perplexing on the other hand. So uh, that's what I'll say. Jason, what about you? Any kind of summing up or concluding thoughts that you might add? Well, just looking at the words, it's hard to know if this song is a is designed for the congregation in terms of congregational singing or not. Now, I I had not heard the song before until I watched it today on YouTube. So mm-hmm. um, my view now is shaped more by what I saw on YouTube and mm. in, in that regard. Uh, but you can't tell. I mean, the words are simple. They're very accessible. And uh, in general, there's a lot of good scriptural references. And, um, and, and so I... Until I hear it sung, I don't know if this is really made for the congregation to sing or not. Mm -hmm. And I I do have a view on that, but I'll wait. Uh, Jason, um, (laughs) really quick question. Can you you talk just briefly about what changed when you saw it on YouTube for your evaluation? Well, I... I started by watching it rather than reading the lyrics, and Uh I went the other way. So... When I saw it on YouTube, I I came to the conclusion that this was really more of an offertory song or a concert or a performance song versus a song that really the congregation could enter into. Um, that was that's my opinion. I don't think it's a strong song in terms of uh, congregational singing. Okay. What about you, Colin? Uh, yeah. So. I started out kind of uh, unsure about where I was with this song, and I'm still a little bit unsure. Uh, I think Tyler, you used the word per- you used the word perplexed. I think that's that's kind of where I'm at too. I I have to admire and appreciate the scripture, and I found, or at least the references, and I found those really powerful and helpful, and 
clear in some respects, but then there are these other bits of the song that as as you two have already gotten to are a little bit yeah, it's just kind of like, well, what exactly is going on there? There may be a, a good way to use the the words of uh of guest host we had a few weeks ago, David, um, to use his words, there there are some available good readings of those things. So like I really appreciated what Jason had to say about that section that, you know, it could be about revival when we're talking about God releasing his love and unleashing his power. If we think about that in a way of revival, okay, that makes sense. But if, if this is being sung in, in with maybe without explaining that or something, then you could have some pretty questionable interpretations of that too. So I still find myself quite on the fence with a song like this, and and I would just agree with some of the things that Jason has said. If a, if this were to be done in a church, um, there would have to be a lot of framework around it, because uh, on its own, this song just doesn't really have everything that you would want to see in a song that was sung by a congregation. I would just echo what has already been said, I think. Jason, you said you had some thoughts on the congregational singability of this song. Would you care to share those before we get into the numerical rating? Well, you know, first of all, I want to say I, when I heard it, 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 I liked it. I mean, I was stirred by it. I was moved by it. It was a wonderful performance. Um, I did not, I, I did not mind at all. You know, the concert feel of the of the song. Uh, so, like. There was I had no big problem with it. I thought it there was power and there was emotion and there was uh, you know uh, excellence in performance and and this and the music itself. Um, but from a congregational singability, the the challenges I think are more of the overall cadence and knowing when you come in. And there were certainly lines where they expected the the crowd to sing, you know. And the crowd did because they have heard the song and love the song and they're singing parts of it. But I didn't think that even with that, it really lended itself to, uh, and I'm not a technician enough to know what it was that would have made it more congregational. But I feel like, uh, and there is a place in the church for offertory or prophetic songs that are really more sung over and to the congregation rather than uh, are calling the congregation to sing fully into. And, and this is where I would put that song. Uh, well, let's get into ratings then. Tyler, uh, I'm curious where you're going to, I'm curious where everyone's going to fall quite. I'm kind of curious where I'm going to fall. Uh, Tyler, where where did you end up on the rating scale? One out of five here, or or I mean, uh, out of five. Can I tell you where I started? And before yeah, I tell you where not? I end up. So I yeah. initially had given this four out of five. Okay. And I thought, so much scripture in here. It could be clearer, but it's getting a point across. And as we've gone through it, Jason has, and you have helpfully helped me. This first verse is very triumphalist. Um, it does declare things that probably a lot of people can't say. Um, right. Some people will have fears. Some people will have doubts. Um, and. Because I feel so uncertain about it, I am inclined to go more in a no direction until mm-hmm. I can be sure. I guess, does that make sense? I guess it's maybe a conservative sure. rating. 
Um, and so th- I brought my four down to a three, but I still felt really uncertain. Um, and I thought, do I want to advocate for something in a church that I feel uncertain? Probably not. So my official rating is going to be a two out of five. But with that said, if it's scaffolded correctly and if it's explained correctly beforehand, and that's a that's not like a an if in parentheses. Like if you're going to do this, you better have a pastor up there explaining what in the world you're talking about. In that case, yeah. I might give it a three, but but okay. I think generally I would give it a two. Out of what? Two out of five Eurovisions, because it looks like the <laughs> European Song Contest uh, okay. in its style. Which which video was that that you're thinking of? It was a, the Dove Award ones. No, it was a live performance. Let's see, um, Jen featuring Jen Johnson and um, Christine DeClario. Was that the one where the guy was wearing um, like a vest and a like half a suit, but with a t-shirt on underneath? <laughs> yes, he's got like a two-piece <laughs> suit, but the top of the suit is a vest, and yeah, a, okay. yeah and a short sleeve t-shirt. Yeah. All right. I'll give my rating next so that we save the we should save the guest yeah. the best for last, as it were. Um, all right. So Tyler, like you, I I didn't come in with a four, but I when I I kind of will do my I'll kind of give my initial thoughts or I'll, I'll write down my initial thoughts on a song and kind of an initial guess at the rating, and then I'll go back through and really pour in a bit more and ask some deeper questions. And sometimes my rating changed. So I actually the first run through I had it at a four. And then before I came here and talked with you and Jason, I was at a three. And I think I'm going to leave it there. So I'm going to give it three out of five clippings. And I'm giving it clippings because the Dove Award video, which is also has Jen Johnson, and they're all kind of, they're kind of singing in a circle. I don't know who mixed that or whether the mics were just too hot, but the audio on that was way too compressed. And you can hear the waveforms getting clipped. Uh, Like it's just, uh, it sounds like distortion from the 1960s when it was really, it was true overdrive. Like the way that you got distortion was just by driving too much signal um, in there and it just started um, distorting and I don't know why that happened on this performance at the Dove Awards but it clearly did and there's no way to repair it when it happens so it's just there and it's just surprising it was surprising to me to see it in kind of a professional video so three out of five clippings Jason uh, can we get a rating from you yeah <clears throat> well I don't have a lot of other songs to compare this to. I haven't done this as, you know, like you you have. But I'll tell you what, um, if I'm going to take it in the category of a offertory or a prophetic song, less of a congregational. And in that category, I would give it a three from, uh, I guess, the angst, pastoral angst. Okay. And what I mean by that is uh, most of the time I don't know every song that's going to be done on a Sunday morning. And so what is the angst I'm going to feel if this song is done? And I, I, I'm not going to feel that much angst, but I'm not, I, I'm not going to be a big enough champion to say we need to do this, you know, keep doing this, and this has really got to be part of our repertoire. And I would be okay if it, uh, you know, we did it one time and never again. So 
I'm just going to kind of play it safe and go three. Three out of okay. five angsts. Three but, angst. Yeah. Can I ask, Jason, um, how often as a pastor do you experience angst about the music? Well, I mean, there's angst over all kinds of things. We're singing, but the lyrics aren't up on the projector. You know, all of there's angst stuff. almost every Sunday. But um, sometimes uh, I, I would say it's probably monthly. I, and I don't, I haven't felt angst in terms of song choice for a long time. And I just want to say that just in case my worship <laughs> leader listens to this, I really haven't felt angst. Um over over song selection. Although I always I I don't think that we're like a prophetic song that was sung by a worship leader that we had written a song and came out of the expression of our community. I would like so much more than this song, even as well crafted as it is. Let's say um, I would, and so the angst might be uh, o- omission of where we could be. I have to presume that part of that lack of angst over song choice has to come from communication. You and your worship leader must kind of have a good line of communication between you that makes it so that it's rare that he would or she would throw something up. I think at first we did. We met weekly and talked about things a little bit more, but I think it's kind of, we're kind of locked in now and and his choices are are pretty, uh, I would say they're pretty solid and overall safe and yeah, and I think they're strong for the most part. Again, uh, you know, and and I I'm not pushing as much as I may have when I first came to India mm. about where I wanted to go in terms of things, and and I think that part of me had to let go of some things. Mm. Mm. Jason, it is so well, good to have a pastor on this show yeah. and have your perspective on this stuff because. Uh, when it's just us two, it's it's very very different than having someone with real hands on experience every single Sunday. Yes. Well, I think you guys are doing a great service for the church, and and it's wonderful work. Well, thank you very much, and thanks again for sitting down uh, for a, a guest episode on the uh, worship review. Listeners, of course, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Send us email if you like. Feedback at the worship review. And if you use, uh, if you find our website on Anchor, or if you find our podcast on Anchor.fm, you can even leave voicemail. We've had listeners do that as well, so please do that and tell your friends. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at Anchor FM slash The Worship Review and Patreon.com slash The Worship Review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.